Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. And be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. You can find the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I always call it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from north of New York City, my guest is a singer, songwriter, vocal character actor, author, illustrator, and public speaker. Wow. (laughs) She is also the chief operating officer of What's Hot in Hip Hop. Last year, she made her South by Southwest debut performed there again this year. She has won or been nominated for a number of awards. In August 2015, she released her first full-length album and is currently working on her next project. You've been hearing a song of hers entitled Take a Ride. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, known throughout the music world as K-Fox, Catherine Hoxie. Hey, Bruce. How are you? Wonderful, Catherine. Welcome. It's nice to, to quote-unquote, meet you. (laughs) Likewise, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) quote-unquote. Well, go ahead and start off by telling the listeners all about the song that was just playing, Take a Ride. Sure. Uh, Take a Ride is really a concept song, and uh, which is some of my favorite kinds of songs to write, because it's not about relationships. It's really not about anything but really... It's like joyriding. Um, you know, if you've ever taken a ride in the car and just kind of lost yourself on the open road, um, and just that feeling of that, just just the, uh, the joy of driving. I love to drive. I travel a lot, and so that's pretty much what the song is. Yeah, in fact, um, Catherine and I were talking before I hit record that she's typically, well, I don't even know if you can say typically, in Yonkers, New York, and right now is is actually in Rhode Island, but uh, you sound like you do spend a lot of time on the road. I sure do, either in the air or on the road. I've been in a number of different states over the last few months, so that's been kind of my soundtrack while I've been traveling. So I have to ask then, did you literally write that song while you were driving, while you were flying? Was it no, you know, that would have been a cute story, but I was just sitting in my room. That would be highly dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I I don't actually remember where I was when I wrote the song, which is not uncommon. A lot of songs, for whatever reason, feel like I dream them. Oftentimes I mm. do a lot of writing by myself. Um, and that track came from a producer originally from Chicago who's now in Florida, uh, Act One, and he had sent me the track some time ago, and it just kind of came out, which is often the case when I get music sent to me. I just start writing, and, and that's how it comes out. So, But yeah, it just, uh, just kind of came out. <laughs> so I have my usual rush of follow-up questions that are coming to mind. I'll see if I can remember them all. And and I apologize if this is going to be a barrage and and you won't be able to remember them all. (laughs) But I did read in preparation for today's interview something about you having been in Florida. Did you live down here? And and if so, where? 
Mm-hmm. I sure did. I lived there for five and a half years. I lived everywhere from, I started in Flagler Beach. I made my way to Ormond Beach, New Smyrna Beach, Edgewater, um, and Elfmont Springs. Ah, okay, okay. So then you said, I usually write alone. Do you have a certain songwriting style, or I should say procedure? When I I asked, did you write it while you were driving, I guess what I meant was, you know, sing (laughs) or speak an idea into your phone, or is it, you know, anywhere and everywhere I am, I'm just jotting down ideas? Yes, that's about right. Um, <laughs> I write every every single day, um, and I do it in all manner of ways, whether it's a, a producer that sends me a track and I'm doing top lining, which is me writing the words and the melody line, or I'm just creating from nothing and coming up with words and or a melody line alone uh, and then bringing in the music later. Um and I do actually do a lot of, of writing while I'm driving using voice memos. I mm-hmm. dictate a lot of the songs that I write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when you talked about someone from Chicago that sent that to you, it sounds to me, and so I'm putting this in the form of a question because I, I want to put up a barrier if if you're if you're <laughs> wanting to make sure that you don't get bombarded. I remember on episode 180. Uh, I was on location in Orlando, and I was talking to Tina Perez, who is originally from New Jersey, and she basically has on her Twitter kind of an open call for producers that want to send her beats. Are you kind of saying, you know, hey, if people have stuff that they want me to to consider collaborating on, send it to me, or is it no, 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 Bruce? I've I've I knew this person in Chicago. I know these people who send me stuff. This is not an open call. <laughs> Oh, no, 100%. Actually, the way that we ended up working together was he had started following me online and started mentioning in blogs and interviews that he wanted to work with me. Wow. Uh, So at one point, he sent me one of the interviews saying that he wanted to work with me and requested, you know, if he could send me some songs that I would be open for consideration. And that's how we started working together. So I'm I'm 100% open to receiving music from producers. Uh, because I'm working on a lot of different things simultaneously, and I, I love collaborating. So, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm definitely open to that for sure. Well, you teed that one up for me nicely, because <laughs> I, I, I really don't know where to start here, because you you do have so much going on. Uh, since you just talked about that song, though, let's have you fill us in on the new project that I mentioned in the intro that you're working on, a, a new EP? Oh, yes. Um, the next EP that I'm working on It's called Soul Has No Color. Uh, It will be the first follow-up technically to the singles that I've just dropped. My my last album and my first and last album that you mentioned at the the beginning is Journey of a Gemini. I released that August 2015. Since then, I've released a number of singles, and this will be my first, so to speak, full project since then outside of singles. Okay, and so... The new EP, do you have anything you're at liberty to disclose at this time in terms of when it'll be out, how many songs will be on it, where are you recording since you're on the road so much, Uh, who are you working (laughs) with, those types of things? Got it. Um, So I'm working with a few of the same producers that uh, worked on my album, as well as some new producers that I've met along the way. Uh, Currently, it's looking to be about a five to seven track EP. I'm still finalizing everything, um, and recording-wise, I've been kind of bouncing around studios due to my travel, <laughs> uh, but I have been recording at Savage Sounds out on Long Island, 
um, and Funkadelic Studios in New York City, Midtown Manhattan, and uh, I'm heading to Nashville next month, so I, I may end up finishing the entire project down in Nashville. Wow, wow, that's amazing. That's, I guess that's kind of the beauty of 2017 and being able to travel and being able to record anywhere, meaning right. whether it's on your own or studios that are aplenty. I, I'm curious, though, about your opinion. In in my opinion, for what it's worth, a, a former coworker of mine used to say, my opinion in 25 cents will get you a cup of coffee. I, I feel like <laughs> it's become a very singles-driven industry. And so it's interesting to me to hear that you did put that album out two years ago and have been releasing singles since. Was that by design? Was that a strategy, you know, and, and now kind of deciding it's time for a, a, a bigger project than just singles? Or is it just, you know, no, give me too much credit. That's just the way it happened. <laughs> um, well, I will say that, that my album was the culmination of four years of work um, and something that I just really felt like needed to come out altogether. Um, and it being a 16-track album, it would have been releasing more than a single every single month. And it, it is a journey of a Gemini. And so for me, it was important for me to put it together as a whole project. Um, as for the singles that followed, um, it was more to kind of satiate people as I was preparing to get the EP together. Mm. Um, I grew up on albums, you know what I mean? I grew yeah. up listening to full-length albums. And so for me, like, that that's how I love to listen to artists because as much as I, I 100% agree, it's definitely a single-driven industry currently, and in my opinion, unfortunately. Um, but for me, as a, a fan... I prefer to get full projects from artists, whether it be an EP or an album. Yeah, I and agree. So, for yeah, uh, so for me, especially because I just have such an abundance of work, um, I, I just have such an abundance of body of work, of, of songs, of productions, of things that I've worked on. For me, it's as I said, the singles are really to satiate a need for fans while I'm completing the project. Um, in the way that, that I really want to see it come to light. And that, of course, takes some time, especially being an indie artist. So uh, being that I do everything on my own, it does take a little bit longer. So for the sake of convenience and to make sure that I'm consistently putting out music for fans, I have been putting out the singles while getting ready to get that EP out. I like it. I like it. Well, I'm I'm going to be going somewhere with this, so stick with me, uh, meaning both the All listeners right. and you, Catherine. Um, the first part of, right. of, of this series of questions that I'm going to ask you, the first part is, back in 2012, you did an EP called Light Shines Through Me, for which you raised $5,000 in 32 days using Kickstarter. Wow. So considering where you were at that point in your career, meaning, and this is from what I gathered in my research, it, it seemed like you were say, fairly early on. How did you have that kind of success with crowdfunding back then, five years ago? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> um, the, the, it was actually back in 2011, and just the significance of that was my release was on 11-11-11. Oh, nice. Um, and, yeah, and uh, back in 2009, I had been relocated to New York from Florida for a job. And seven months after I was relocated, I lost my job. 
Mm. It involved my territory. And uh, it was the first time since I was 14 years old that I was unemployed. And so um, I had it in mind that I wanted to get... I've always been involved in music, but I started dabbling into entertainment. So I got involved in TV and film. And I met someone on the set of Blue Bloods who had raised money for a band. And we were Facebook friends, and I checked out his campaign, and I, you know, as I mentioned, I had just lost my job. Um, I really, I I finally had the time, but I really didn't have the funds to put music together. Mm -hmm. And everybody had been asking me what I was going to do with music when I moved back to New York. And so I I took a leap of faith. I started a Kickstarter, and uh, I had already met with producers at a studio. They told me how much it was going to be. And so I said, all right. Well, I don't have the money right now, but I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be and, right uh, back in 32 I, days. <laughs> right, right. 32 days, I raised $5,155. And um, I really just think it was because I was I was being true to my purpose. People that have known me my whole life have known me as a, a musician. I grew up playing the drums. I grew up at, uh, singing in choir. I had, uh, at that point, I had already auditioned for American Idol um, so there was, you know, there was some foundation. It wasn't a surprise that to find out that I was working on music. And I think people just really wanted to support me and, and, and somehow be part of what I was creating. But, but at the same time, it could be said, correct me if I'm wrong. It could be said that, that, that being the case, it still was more or less the early part of your career. Yes. A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When I really finally took the leap of faith into music as a career, as opposed to, you know, working or waitressing and going singing at uh, contests in Daytona Beach and things of that nature, it was it was I put both feet in, and, and that was it. But that had to make yeah. you had to make you feel like a million bucks that you say, okay, I'm going to take this leap of faith. I really think this is where I'm supposed to be, and I'm going to go into to music now. And then you do this Kickstarter, and you get fifty one hundred dollars and you say okay i i think i think i made the right choice yes 100 percent. it was my confirmation it was you know as much as we we really should i use that word sparingly but should not refer on outer referral for our validation for me it, it was it was just that because it was it was proof that i wasn't the only one that was thinking that this is what i should do yeah but yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay, and so next, and keep following me here. You also have a GoFundMe campaign right now called Vegas or Busk, B-U-S-K. We yeah. talked about that. Listeners, uh, if you don't know what busking is, um, I'm not going to get off. I don't want to get sidetracked on this conversation with Catherine. Um, but do go back and listen to the interview that I did on episode 164 with Natalie Gelman. Uh, she talks extensively about busking. Anyhow, so Catherine, you have a GoFundMe campaign right now called Vegas or Busk, and that website, GoFundMe, has yours listed as a campaign that is trending. T- talk about that campaign. Sure. Um, so I've had a great deal of success with crowdsourcing, Uh, Just to go for my Kickstarter, I then went on to do an Indiegogo. Ah. I've raised a little over $11,000 through crowdsourcing for my music. And so uh, most recently, I had started to um, look more into my family genealogy. My grandfather, um, Jerome Ward-Hoxie, was an artist, and his 
father, S. Jerome Hoxie, was an historical artist for East Greenwich, Rhode Island, and Mystic, Connecticut. Uh, his his father ended up abandoning him and his two siblings, along with his mother, mm. on an island out in Martha's Vineyard. Um, and in my grandfather's lifetime, he did a great deal of uh, work on our genealogy to make sure that we were not written out of history. Mm-hmm. And so Vegas or Busk was really founded on my desire to connect with my family that I had never met. Uh, much of my family from my grandfather's uh, siblings. And so Vegas or Busk is, is founded on the idea of raising money for that trip and also uh, doing further research on my genealogy and lineage and kind of connecting the dots and making sure that the Hoxie legacy remains intact, even though really um, we were almost completely written out of history. And so Vegas or Busk um, right now I think has just about $600 donated and the basis for it is that if you donate money, you can request a song. It's a form of virtual busking. So if you donate money, you can request a song. I'll do a cover, an original, like anything it. you'd like. And, um, yeah, so it, it was just a new twist on something that I have been working on for a number of years. And uh, it was a way to bring not only my purpose as a musician uh, to life, but also my purpose as, as a family member of, of my Hoxie lineage and to make sure that um, that, that our, our legacy remains intact uh, through not only my music, but also through further research on our, our ancestry. I like it. I, I, I like the, the use of the expression virtual busking. That's, that's a cool angle. So listeners, Thank I you. asked her about the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, she mentioned Indiegogo, which I wasn't aware of, and now she just talked about the success uh, that she's starting to show already with with the Vegas or Busk. But uh, I'm going to have Catherine tie all this together in just a moment, but not before I tell you about Tascam, who has made it possible for me to be recording this interview with Catherine today. I'm wearing Tascam headphones right now. I'm talking into a Tascam TM80 microphone, and I'm utilizing the Track Factory, which is an all-in-one home recording solution that Tascam launched early this year and has caught the attention of a lot of musicians who are using it to record on their own now. It has a US 2x2 audio interface, uh, although right now I'm actually using my Tascam Mini Studio Creator as the interface instead because they recently updated the firmware and software for that, so now I can record from Skype. Uh, If I can confirm a guest over in Orlando that I'm working on getting, I will go over there this weekend and I'll bring my Tascam DR44WL, which is a handheld recorder, that does allow you to utilize external microphones, too. Check out all their gear at Tascam.com. Catherine, let's have you tie together this confidence in approaching things like a Kickstarter and a GoFundMe campaign and, and so many other projects that you've got going on. There's a quote of yours that I love, which says, I don't make wishes anymore. I just make it happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've, I really learned that first Kickstarter campaign, the power of asking. Uh, and, and really just the fact that if you never ask, the answer is always no. Mm. Um, and so for a number of years, I lived in my head about being a musician, about creating music, about songwriting, and I, I, I literally daydreamed about it. I would, you know, I would think that maybe someone was going to discover me singing out of my window in my car or my apartment, mm-hmm. and I had just been wishing for so long. And once I was finally in a position to, you know, it, it really was, in some ways, the worst position, um, but it was an opportunity. 
and that's what I learned about being kind of when you're at rock bottom, there's nowhere to go but up. And so I learned the power of asking for the help that I needed to realize that once you are willing to ask, people are willing to help. Uh, there's a there's a quote from one of my favorite books, uh, The Alchemist, that essentially says that once you, you really want something, that the whole universe conspires to help you make it happen. And I'm I'm really living proof of that. Um, and that's been my, my ongoing um, kind of just proof that, that really, you know, we, we're here to support one another. I do as much as I can to support other people. Um, and so just, just the power of asking and, and really being shown every single time I'm willing to ask, someone is willing to provide an answer or solution in some way. Well, and I also feel like from the statement that you made before that you're someone that feels that you don't really need the outside validation. I think to me that speaks to this quote of yours, I don't make wishes anymore, I just make it happen. In other words, you're not necessarily looking for people's validation. You're just saying, you know what, this is this is what I'm going to make happen, and you just go do it on your own. Granted, you're saying, yes, I get help from other people, but I think you understand the way right. I'm couching this. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, that's a big part of it. But again, I'm an indie artist. I've done everything. Myself. I don't have a management team. There's no one behind the scenes that is creating any of the things that you have seen come from me. It's anything that has come to surface has been for my creation. Um, so as much as I have support and I have fans and I have friends and things of that nature, at the end of the day, if I'm going to make it happen, it's me that, that ultimately makes it happen. So, yeah. Well, and you're doing wonderfully with it, uh, listeners, as, as hopefully you can tell already. And, and as we go through the rest of this interview and then when I give you her website and you go start looking at everything else that she has online, uh, this young lady is, is doing tremendous things. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is location, location, location. When you are posting where you are performing, with the possible exception of Facebook, or maybe Twitter, where you can tag the location, don't just put the name of the place and expect people to know where it is. I'm talking city and state, never mind street address. Plus, some places have more than one location, so be detailed in your posts to make it as easy as possible for people to come find your performance location. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. Moving on, tell the listeners about something else that I had mentioned back in the intro. You are the COO of What's Hot in Hip Hop. 
I sure am. Uh, that, that's a rather new position. I've been involved with them since about 2013. I started off as their uh, chief celebrity blogger. Um, and really, we we ended up meeting at an award show that we were both nominees for. And um, But pri- like just weeks before that, they had been putting out posts that they were looking for bloggers, and I had responded to it. And then at the rehearsal for the award ceremony, we met in person. I said, I just wrote you an email. And so that was where our relationship uh, was really started. And then from then on, you know, being a performer, being out and about in New York City, being um, very, very uh, prevalent out in the events and the shows, showcases, things of that nature, um, I just found a way to tie in what I was already doing uh, to my activity and involvement with what's hot in hip hop. Um, and I'm very, very tightly associated and affiliated with the hip hop community. It's a big part of the influence of my music. Um, it's also part of, you know, part of my music that, that I create myself, but I affectionately refer to myself as the soccer mom of hip hop because I kept finding myself <laughs> at shows <laughs> making sure that the hip hop artists had all their marketing materials making sure that they were plugging their social media while they were on stage. Uh, when I produced shows, I was booking the hip-hop artists and bringing them in. Um, and so uh, this last year, we had a staff meeting, and uh, the CEO, Jeffrey Blackfoot Hunter, uh, had announced that they had made a decision that based on my involvement and, and how much I had accomplished uh, for the site and with the site, and due to the fact, I, I have an MBA and a Master's of Management as well, so I have a mm. business background. Um, so they invited me to become Chief Operating Officer, and I have been playing that role for the last few months now, uh, transitioning into that and starting to run operations from a totally different level while still actually blogging and kind of being wow. the for the site. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, uh, those of you who... Our regulars with me here on NHTE, Catherine is a woman after my own heart, yes, with the looking out for performers who are on stage and making sure they're doing this and that, as as all of you hopefully know, through the Now Hear This Incorporated umbrella and the services that I do provide to performers there. Catherine, we talked a lot about music, but in fact, you actually took one of your songs one step further and self-illustrated did a children's book, which drew a great response from children and adults. Yeah. Ugh. It's a dream come true, literally. Um, yeah, Screaming to be Free, the book, uh, it, it took about, I storyboarded it in one day, the entire book, about 26 pages, all in one wow. day. Wow. And it took three years for me to push out the full-size illustrations because I was just so set on it being perfect and it needed to be a certain way. And finally, once I could get out of my head and out of my own way, I finished all of the full-size illustrations mm. and uh, put out the book on the three-year anniversary of 1111. Um, was it the, no, it was the year um, anniversary of 1111. So it came out 111 mm-hmm. So it was the five-year anniversary of Light Shines Through Me and the official uh, release of the children's book. The first edition is a coloring book. So you can color not only the pictures, but also the words. And so for early learners, they can listen to the song, follow along with the pictures, and also color in the words so that they're being mindful of what the pictures are about. 
How much of an art background did you already have going into that? Or didn't you have? <laughs> uh, extensive, but I had let it go for a long time. I used to take, um, for those who are aware of uh, what RISD is, Rhode Island School of Design, it's an Ivy League art school in Rhode Island, uh, where I'd taken figure drawing classes. My mom had put me into art classes very early on. I did a lot of work with Sculpey Clay. Uh, I did a lot of portraits, things of that nature throughout my entire life. And so I think at the age of eight, I was exhibited in my first art gallery exhibition. Ooh. I still have the painting now. And um, I, I had let it go for a long time because I had a lot of self-doubt about myself as an artist. Mm. And what a powerful lesson that I learned in doing the children's book and about how long it took me to create it was that I was putting it out specifically really for children and I was being such a perfectionist. And I said, what message am I giving to children by holding myself to this standard? Uh, like, it's okay. It's okay. Just just finish it. And I realized also that I, I really enjoy childlike art. And so that's ultimately what came out was childlike art um, that, that really inspired children of all ages, both children and adults. So I was really thankful to finish it. And it's um, it's going into Barnes and Noble this winter. I'm actually that's part of wow. the work that I'm doing here in Rhode Island right now is completing the work to get it out. Wow, that's uh, tremendous! Through Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Well, two pieces of trivia in there. Number one, I am someone that is a walking encyclopedia of movie lines. So when you mentioned RISD, <laughs> uh, my wedding crashers uh, flag went up because I know that there's a a line in there when Owen Wilson refers to, to RISD. So I actually knew what that was thanks to that movie. (laughs) And, uh, talking about illustrations for children, listeners, those of you who are regulars to the show know that I like to refer back with that bizarre mental Rolodex of mine to past episodes. I thought it would be a long time before I got to mention episode 186 when I was on location in San Diego, talking to Glenn McCoy, who is a, uh, cartoonist, but there you go. Now there's now there's a tie-in for it. Go back and listen to that. That was that was a really cool conversation, Catherine. About a year and a half ago, you you did a soft launch for your K Fox brand. And, and listeners, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode when I did the intro, I said that she is known throughout the music world as K Fox. That's actually K F H O X. Um, but go ahead, Catherine. Talk about the the soft launch of your K-Fox brand, meaning w- what all does that entail, the K-Fox brand, not not Got the it. soft launch? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, well, actually, I can kind of cover a little bit of both of that. Because sure. what ultimately happened was, um, and also just to explain, my name is Catherine F. Hoxie, so K-Fox is an abbreviation of my full name. Um, but the K-Fox brand, what happened was I had printed up three hats, to start wearing at shows, to start wearing out, just to do branding while I was out and about. And I started putting pictures up of me in the hat, and people started reaching out and saying, hey, where can I get a hat? So it really ended up being a soft launch because it was never really my intention to start a brand. Ah, wow. But there was a demand for it. So I ended up doing uh, hats, T-shirts, stickers, and patches. And um, started selling them uh, on my website, at shows, and, and things of that nature. And my merch has made it all the way to South Africa, to Ghana, um, and all throughout the country, from California to New York to Rhode Island, 
uh, Connecticut. Where else? New I'm Jersey. sure down here in Florida, obviously. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely in Florida. For sure, Florida, yes. That's cool. Sure. I love it. But, yeah, so uh, it's still available. I'm actually kind of clearing out inventory right now as I get ready for the new year. So uh, if you're interested in finding any of that stuff, you can go right there. But, yeah. I am speaking today with singer, songwriter, vocal character actor, author, illustrator, and public speaker Catherine Hoxie. Visit her official website at kfox.com. So like I just said, that's kfhox.com. Social media-wise, she is on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. You can purchase her music and her book on her website. Be sure to go to her Vegas or Busk campaign on GoFundMe as well. Keep up with Catherine online so you can see where and when you can go see her perform live. As for this show, I have been mentioning the last episode or two or three that we have cut way back on calls to action. Maybe each week I I should just draw a slip of paper out of a hat to see what to remind you about from episode to episode. (laughs) Today I'm just going to say that if you really enjoy listening to Now Hear This Entertainment, wear it. Just like Catherine was just talking about. Uh, at nhte.net, if you click into the store, you can purchase a hat or a t-shirt so you can help spread the word about this show. Catherine, I have mentioned that you are a vocal character actor, which uh, now here's another cool one. This reminds me of way back on episode 60 of Now Hear This Entertainment when Lila Burzens was the guest. Listeners, if you want to go back and hear that interview, Lila is a voiceover artist, professional singer, jingle writer, and copywriter. In fact, I had had her mentor, Roy Yokelson, on episode 55 of NHTE. He's an Emmy Award-winning sound designer, if you want to check out that episode as well. Anyhow, Catherine, changing over into your vocal character actor hat, <laughs> tell us about the work that you've done that way, and, and I guess, you know, how does that fit into all things K-Fox? Sure. Um, well, that title actually came from a very specific experience at a session that I had with a co-writer and producer, Jerry Brooks, out in Queens, New York. And we were working on a song for my EP. And he mentioned that a friend would be stopping by uh, to pick up a keyboard. And um, it ended up being that that friend was Omar Hakim. If you're unfamiliar with who that is, he is uh, one of Sing's drummers, and uh, he's worked with the likes of Journey. Um, he, he's, he's yeah, he's extremely yeah, he's extremely well known. Yes, um, and so he ended up sitting in on the session with us and listening to the session, and um, he's you know listening back and giving us feedback, and he said you know it's it's a great song, it's well written, you sing it well. He said, but, you know, a lot of times singers get in their head about it being technically right, about your pitch, about your sound, about your tone. Um, He said, you really, it's really important to focus on the story and and to become a vocal character actor when you're singing a song. And Hmm. so from that point on, I changed, I said, you know what, I am not, I'm a, I'm not a singer. I'm a vocal character actor because I want to be effective Uh every time I step into a booth. And I want to take on the persona of whoever I need to be to tell the narrative of the song that I'm singing. Um, But it also came to be that I ended up narrating my children's book. There you go. Uh, So, right. So it it all kind of comes full circle one way or the other. But that was inspired by that that session and the conversation that I had with Omar Hakim during that session that day. 
and kind of a, a really invaluable lesson a lesson that I learned about what I needed to bring to the table every time I got into a recording booth, whatever the purpose was, whether it was to narrate a book or to sing a song, I needed to be able to tell the story in an effective way and to get out of my head about it being so technical because I already have the training to be a vocalist. Um, so just really stepping up and being able to tell the story in the way that it needs to be told. Yeah, I like it. I, like I said, I, I, I read that, and so right away I made the assumption, which is always a bad word, but I yeah. made the assumption that it was a reference to being, you know, to doing voiceover work. Um, so I, yeah. I like that because you know it's it's the believability factor. You know, it's it's probably uh, availability heuristic because last night I I watched uh, Walk the Line with uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon, and there was a scene in there, okay. you know, where where basically Johnny Cash was being told that for all intents and purposes, you know you're singing the song, but I, I, I'm, I'm really not believing it. You know, I'm not, I'm not buying what you're right. selling kind of thing. So I like the, the vocal character actor angle. And, and it's cool that you tied it all together by saying that you actually did narrate your children's book. So that that's cool. Yeah. I also worked in radio too. So there, there's a lot of vocal stuff going on there. So yeah. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> we could go for days. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, this is, this is a crazy coincidence, but last week, on episode 192 of NHTE, when I interviewed Oliver Sean from England, uh, he's a former MTV VJ who's having a, a successful music career. We talked about him being a voting member of the Grammys, and now, lo and behold, Catherine, you too are a voting member of the Grammys. I, I failed to ask this to Oliver last week, so tell us, how did you become a voting member of the Grammys? <laughs> uh, well, my first year that I performed out at South by Southwest, the Recording Academy was there, and uh, they were interviewing artists in the artist lounge. And so I went up to the table and I said, hey, how do I get interviewed by the Recording Academy? Yeah, they I said, love well, it. Well, I'm sorry, but but you have to, uh, you have to be a, a member. I said, okay, great. How do I become a member? <laughs> so I stood there for, for about an hour and a half and got extensive information from a gentleman who works in Americana, uh, the Americana category at the, the Recording Academy. And a couple, I went back to New York, and a couple months had passed, and I said, man, they never emailed me about the Recording Academy. Mm. And that day I got an email from the Recording Academy. Come on. Uh, I, I swear on everything I love, uh, oh. that very day I got an email and uh, with an invitation to see if I qualified. And sure enough, I, I, with the body of work that I had and the amount of uh, things that I had under my belt, I, I made the qualifications to become, uh, there's two different classifications. You're either an associate member or a voting member. And thankfully, due to the amount of work that I have, I, I was qualified to become a voting wow. member of the Recording Academy. Wow. How cool yeah. is that? It was amazing. It was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> well, before we close and have you talk about the actual song itself, your song called Daydream was under consideration for the 59th annual Grammy Awards. Just talk about that, not only in terms of how did it come to be, but were you already a voting member? Because if you say yes, I, I guess there must not be any rules against members trying to get their own songs into the awards. Correct. Yeah. Um, being in the position of being a voting member, uh, you can submit your music for consideration. 
Uh, and so I made it uh, within the time frame to be able to also submit my music. And But that's not to say that your music will go through. There's quite an extensive process to uh, submit for the Grammys. And if I'm being 100% transparent, I will say that I cried a lot during the process the first year. It's uh, very stressful. I, as again, I did everything myself. I'm going through the process by myself. And, you know, every step, it's like a landmine because you can be disqualified and all of these things. And mm. uh, so it was super stressful for me. I, I was, you know, reaching another point in my career where I looked around and none of my peers were with me at that point. So there was no one that I could call really uh-huh. uh, to say, hey, do you have any idea how to do this? Or um, there was one woman, uh, Eileen Angel, who had just become a member herself. And thankfully, we became kind of a support system for one another. And I could call her and cry if I needed to. And uh, But yeah, I, I made it onto the first round ballot for uh, Song of the Year and Best Pop Solo Performance. And uh, I, it was incredible. I mean, I, I still, you know, think about that and how far I had come. Uh, I started in 2011 when I first put out my project. I lived in my car for four months mm. to put out my project to getting onto the first round of Grammys years later. It's, you know, it, it was night and day and it's, it's a long road, but it was definitely a point in my career where it was like, okay, this is starting to make sense now. And, you know, again, that validation, but just, you know, reaching the elite group of people that I had sat and watched the awards for years. And I cry a lot as you gather, but uh, (laughs) I literally would sit and watch the award shows and just cry and be like, I don't know how to do this. And again, it was that going from, I don't make wishes anymore to, I just make it happen. And I had gone from making wishes for years to finally making it happen. And that was, you know, incredible. But clarify for me, though, when you say that as you went through the process, there were a lot of tears, is it that you were attaching too much to, to the to the end result? Or was it, no, I, I was just stressed out because I didn't really understand the, the process and the procedure clearly enough? Uh, probably a little bit of both, but mainly primarily the process and the procedures and just not, you know, just, just feeling really overwhelmed by it, mm-hmm. uh, doing it alone and not really having any guidance or support throughout that process. But did you submit because you had become a voting member and you went, oh, you know what? (laughs) I should take advantage of this and I should submit one of my songs. Or is it, you know, I would have done it even if I hadn't become a member? Well, I I wouldn't have been able to do it had I not been a voting member. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, so it was, I mean, it was definitely a result of I had the opportunity, I had the music, and I had music that was released under the qualifying dates that had been released, so it was like, well, I have nothing to lose. Okay. And uh, the worst that could happen is nothing, and, and that would be fine, too. So, but yeah. So I take it that there must be plenty of barriers in place so that every single John Q. indie artist across the country can't just send in music and say, I want this for Grammy consideration. That's right. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, you have to be a voting member of the Recording Academy. um, And there are extensive guidelines for what qualifies to allow your music to be even considered. Okay. Um, 
So you can you can check all the boxes, but if you're not a voting member, it doesn't matter. You won't get the ballot if you're not a voting okay. member. So okay. It won't matter. Okay. You won't even have access to it. Yeah, okay. it's I, it's very uh yeah, there there's very strict guidelines. So okay. yeah, you can't just be like, Oh, I think I'm gonna submit myself for the Grammy this yeah. year. Like um but yeah, so it's that that part alone you have to get to a place where um either someone believes in you and they are a part of the recording academy and they submit on your behalf or you yourself are a voting member. Well, we are going to close with your song Daydream, the one that you submitted for Grammy consideration. But before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song. Sure. Um, So Daydream is a reggae version, pop single of of my song that I recorded out at Bob Marley's Tough Gong Studios out in Kingston, Jamaica. It was a result of part of my uh, my Indiegogo campaign, and um, it really was a dream come true recording at Bob Marley's studio. When I walked into the studio, the musicians had already learned the music, and uh, it's all about having a dream in your heart and letting nothing stand in your way. So if you take nothing else from me today, I pray that you just are encouraged and that you have the faith and, and the, the courage to go after your dreams with all of your heart. Outstanding. Outstanding. It, again, a, a girl after my own heart. I just love your attitude. And, and, it, and I know that it's a huge part of why you're having the success that you're having. So continued best wishes, Catherine. And thanks so much for making time to talk to me today. Thanks, Bruce. I really appreciate you. You bet. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. Heartfelt thanks to singer, songwriter, vocal character actor, author, illustrator, public speaker, Catherine Hoxie. Do visit her official website at kfox.com. And again, that's kfox.com. And then engage with her on social media. That would include liking her Facebook page, following her on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribing to her YouTube channel, and then watching and liking the videos on there. For that matter, tell her you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember that you can purchase her music and her book right at kfox.com. Also, she would appreciate your consideration of a donation to her Vegas or Busk campaign on GoFundMe. Plus, keep up with Catherine online so you can see where and when you can go see her perform live. And again, if you enjoy Now Hear This Entertainment and all the content that we bring to you week in and week out, help us out by spreading the word via a show t-shirt or hat, which you can purchase via the store on nhte.net. Many thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Catherine Hoxie. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Daydream.